yeah, we got the cool jams going on here. Welcome to the True Wealth Show on this, the greatest Tuesday you've had all week. And I'm your host, Dave Littlejohn. We're excited to be here in studio with me today. Matt Dixon. Matt. Yes. Um, yeah, we got unusual music that's getting us in the flow. I'm um, feeling it. But, you know, it's probably appropriate. A little bit of a mix-up, a little change here, because uh, part of the theme of the show today is how things are changing. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, if you are just joining us, you know, the True Wealth Show, we cover all kinds of stuff. Reminder that um, it's true wealth. You know, money's how you trade your time. True wealth is the stuff that really matters. Uh, we talk about finance on this show, but we also talk about other stuff. And today we got to thinking and uh, believe it or not, as a proof of concept, we uh, did a lot of the prep work for this show using artificial intelligence. Right. We did. Now, Matt, for our listeners. There were a couple of things. One, this came up in our investment committee this morning. Can you talk a little bit about just thematically why we were talking about AI and what that means? Yeah, we were just taking a look at how is AI shifting the marketplace, right? We already know that the major indexes are pretty tech heavy. They've grown a lot in the last five to six years. And um, we were just kind of taking a look at what is AI going to do to the markets moving forward? Um, what companies might be benefiting from this push into integrating AI across a lot of different platforms. So we were kind of just breaking it down and, and looking to see where are the next opportunities. Yeah. And then, so I'm going to add a little bit more to this too. There were, there were a number of things that were sort of interesting to me. Uh, we were talking about how uh, there'd been a lot of inflation, how expensive life has been, and how a lot of companies are starting to look at layoffs. Right. Like PayPal today, they laid off nine to 10% of their entire workforce. Right. So with that as a backdrop, you think, wait a second. And um, my first comment, which is uh, pretty mercenary and non uh, humanistic, if you will, was like, oh, so the stock price is probably going to go up. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, wait a second, that's pretty cold. But it did sort of kick off a conversation about how economic models have been evolving for the last few decades. And in particular, one of the things that was interesting, so as just a random aside, uh, somebody was pointing out to me that the U.S. still has, if not the highest, some of the highest manufacturing capacity in the world. Wow. Right? And people think, well, that can't be. Like, look at Detroit and our auto industry and so forth. And I say, well, wait, wait. Look at the automation that's occurred. Now, this is important to the backdrop of why artificial intelligence is really interesting. See, automation costs jobs, mm -hmm. right? In terms of what the humans were doing are now being done by robots and computers. However, automation increases productivity per person, right? right? It does. A single person can do more with these powerful tools. So it does really kind of beg a number of questions. One of them is, is artificial, I mean, artificial intelligence very disruptive. So when something is disrupted, what takes place afterwards, right? And and there's a little bit of a, how does the narrative get framed? Because, right, is, our, is the U.S. auto industry on the ropes? The issue I think that the, the automakers are dealing with is they're having to sell their vehicles at a really, really high price point. You look at Dodge, for example, mm -hmm. they've never sold this few pickup trucks in the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. They can't sell pickups because they're all eighty-six, ninety thousand dollars 
and the buyer isn't showing up. So I think that the automotive industry is starting to feel um, a pain point where they've priced out a lot of people from buying a new vehicle. I love the way you just answered this too, by the way, because notice, and, and this is not me putting Matt on the spot here. It's me putting all of our listeners on the spot and myself included. I asked the question, is the automotive industry on the ropes? And you didn't answer the question per se, yes or no. Right. That mm-hmm. you gave the, the way the same way that you know you ask a politician a, a question <laughs> and never give you an answer. Well, I they give you, give you more, that. Right? right. And so what did you say? You said, Oh, well, there's some real reasons that there's headwinds for the industry. Mm-hmm. Okay. So is the industry on the ropes? No, because people still need vehicles. Right. It's so what we have is the current condition of the industry, it's gotten very expensive. Right. For whatever reason, whether it's the cost of the labor that goes into the vehicles or the cost of materials. It's, it's the reason being 80, I think it was 75 to 80% of the cost of the vehicle is in the electronics, not right. the metal, not the assembly line mm-hmm. cost. It's in the electronics and everyone wants more gadgets. And if it doesn't have the power lift gate and the headlights that turn when you turn the steering wheel and the heated seats and the electronics start, you're like, well, I can go buy another one that does. So you, consumer, you're the reason, partly why. Partly the reason. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of layers in into this the marketplace now because the consumer is highly informed and highly sophisticated. But there's also a lot of regulatory red tape. Yep. And it's keep in mind that it's not just the automotive well, emissions, industry. right? Yeah. Like the, the suppliers that, that supply the industry have other red tape, right? So you have layers upon layers upon layers. All of those add... Time, cost, and complexity. Well, and you look at some of the legislation that's come out of D.C. where, what was it, like some percentage of vehicles, was it 50% of vehicles needed to be, you know, EVs by the year 2032? It was something like that. Congress I, Yeah, I think it through. started in California and, and then a lot of states the follow the California standards. Well, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then it's kind of spread to the federal level. So, you look at Ford, they're losing $36,000 per pickup truck. On their Ford Lightning, right? Right. So they're building it in anticipation of this legislation like coming into effect and changing the course of their business. So they're eating that cost. And guess who's paying that cost? The consumer. Because so they got to make more money on their other models that they can actually be profitable on. So you got bad legislation that's also pushing prices higher and causing inflation. So I'll just throw DC under the bus while I can. So... All of this to get back to the the the, the primary like like where does the AI question fit into this right? Where does artificial intelligence fit into automotive? And the answer is it depends, right? I mean, in the manufacturing processes and in the way the business is run. Okay, and so why is this so relevant? Why do we want to push on this a little bit? Well. If we're looking at the way some of the biggest players in the industry in terms of the new arrivals, okay. Now, I'm not making a recommendation when I say this. When I talk about, uh, there's a handful of, I can think of NVIDIA as one of them. Here's a manufacturer that builds, used to build mostly graphics processors. And that was sort of what drove the business when there was the phenomenon where Bitcoin started going bananas Mm -hmm. back in the late uh, 20-teens. Right. Right. And so you saw the emergence of the crypto landscape. But today... They also make artificial intelligence processors, mm-hmm. right? And so this has really driven demand for their business. And you've seen the stock price 
really, really escalating. Their earnings have really, really escalated, and they're still struggling to meet demand in some cases. So uh, a lot of people are asking, where does this go? What does it mean? And, it, you know, I'm not talking about stuff like, oh, is, are we going to have sentient computers that turn on humanity? I'm just talking about, like, between now and where artificial intelligence may go, what does it mean? Right. And who's I, the company that gets us there? And and so that's the question behind it. But then it is, what does this mean for all of us in real life? So I want to talk a little bit more about what are real life applications of artificial intelligence and how might it be uh, potentially a, a like a, a benefit, problem, right? Yeah. And how might it also be beneficial, yeah. right? But it turns out there's no artificial intelligence driving this one. We still have a human business that's got to take some time for an advertising break. So what we're going to do, we're going to stick around. You guys stick around. We're going to keep unpacking the conversation about artificial intelligence. Just so you're aware, there will still be a, a podcast that will get posted. It may be a little later than tomorrow. Uh, we shall see. Uh, but if you haven't gone out and checked it out, we are now getting this stuff on the YouTube channel as well. Yep. So you'll be able to find it on YouTube and start snooping around that way. So we're talking about AI today, right? Artificial Indeed. intelligence. And uh, it was kind of fun because we, we actually were playing with it before we came onto the show and asked ChatGPT, hey, help us write something. And we like played with it a bunch and said, no, that's not really that cool. What about this? And we kept asking it questions. And it just kept kind of coming up with new and interesting stuff. So it did give us some bullet points for the show and gave us some direction. It's, it's kind of fun to, to monkey with. Yeah, it is. Right? But before we talk about all of the things that AI could really be great for, uh, I am really curious. What do you think AI could really break? Oh, the, the fake stuff that isn't real, but it makes it seem super, super realistic. Like yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you saw this, but Twitter had to take a bunch of stuff down um, regarding Taylor Swift and some X-rated content, and it was AI generated. And she's looking to sue the company that produced the stuff that got out on the internet. I mean, it's you can really kind of damage people, right? Like um, you can steal their voice and mm -hmm. um, manipulate a fake phone call to try and steal identity or to make someone think that your loved one has been kidnapped and that you need some ransom money. There's a lot of ways, you know, where a really powerful tool falls into the wrong hands and then it's getting leveraged for evil. Yeah. I think that that is perhaps one of the scariest things possible yeah. is that the, they call these the deep fakes, right? Where it's really hard to tell that it's a fraudulent thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know how that gets handled ultimately other than to suggest that maybe, um, it, 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 I know there's some discussion around the regulation of AI and, and I think that there's some, there's some needed elements to this right? because um, as much as I, like I've, I've said before, I don't think that I'm a 100% free market capitalist. Hang on before you misquote me on that one and try to like take it out of context. Free market capitalism that's completely unrestrained progresses towards monopolies, which then kills off free market capitalism. Right. So uh, there, there has to be some regulations for the good of the companies. Yeah. And the people. I, I, yeah it's, it's an, Academically interesting theory is okay, could you have free market capitalism? I don't think you could in that ultimately the monopoly 
no longer has to behave by capitalist principles because there's no competition any longer. Right. There's no price discovery. So it's just supply and demand becomes we charge whatever I want. And if you're desperate enough for it, you pay it. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, somebody might say, well, it's still supply and demand. Okay. But if you forbid other people from putting supply in the market, that's no longer free. Right. And so if you're, if you have the corner of the entire market on everything, now that's why also things like, intellectual property, right? Why do we have IP protection? Because we want to make sure that there's incentives for people to come in and protect it enough that it doesn't get knocked off because monopolies could do that too. So what it does is it protects the weak from the strong, but at some point we need to, that, that. That's I think that's the best way to describe it is capitalism unrestrained does not protect um, the, the weak from the strong. It allows the strong to get stronger and stronger until they're unstoppable. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you kind of have seen that the natural course of this, where who, who became the restraint of capitalism became government. And then the government's getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And the question is, at what point does the government become unstoppable? Mm. And then how do you check that? Right. We're not going to talk about that on the show. It gets oh, dark. Yeah, it does. Okay. So instead, let's talk about the role of putting as little regulation as possible. Small government, I believe, is best. But AI may be in that situation. So I think deep fakes are one of those. Maybe mm-hmm. the idea is like you have to publish who created the content. Like it has to be part of it. Is that the content creator and the point of origin is part of that. And um, you know, that there's a there's a it, that's a great use case, by the way, for blockchain. Right. If you think about like what could blockchain be amazing for, it would be for authenticating something so that you know whether it's real or not. Right. You know, and so if you're wondering, like, well, what does Bitcoin do? Well, Bitcoin's not the the issue here, but blockchain technology that's tokenized, there could be some real value in having incentives for people to maintain a blockchain. Which, keep in mind, that's a distributed way to validate information amongst lots of people. So it's very hard to forge, mm-hmm. right? If you have enough participants in the blockchain process, and it would be a way to authenticate things. Uh, so that and then you make regulations around say, well, it's not authenticated. It can quickly be dismissed or, you know, it can be something where you better find a way to authenticate that or you find yourself in uh, some serious uh, legal hot water for libel, slander and the like. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see in the coming years how much um, more we see that that tool of blockchain utilized to verify stuff. Yeah, I, I, it's I, I'm really anticipating, not anticipating, because I'm really interested, I should say, in how it evolves, because I think the use case for cryptography is really good. Mm-hmm. Especially like the banking system and, you know, moving money around. Yeah. Title, escrow, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, really good way to um, secure things if you are going to try to work in a digital ecosystem. Right. Right. I mean, it's, it's funny, like actual signed documents and vaults. Pretty secure, hard to force us. Uh, I mean, not saying it never happens, but it's pretty secure. But anyway, so yeah, deep fakes. What are some other things that we think might be potentially dangerous? You know, everyone talks about like the computer trying to overtake humanity, but I don't know that I buy that one, right? Um, where the computer actually becomes kind of evil in a yeah, sense. Yeah, that's one that everyone talks about, and I'll throw it out there, but I'm not really subscribing to that one. I think the Elon Musk theory on this one's interesting. What does he say? He says it's not that, um, the, that AI is evil. 
it's that it's not constrained by the normal ethics or morality that humanity right has. where you can ask it to do something and because it doesn't know any better it'll do it because you asked yeah it to do it it's it's almost like the 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 clumsy genie right you love rub the lamp you get three wishes and somebody goes out there and says you know I want this thing. And they don't think about the consequences. And, mm-hmm. and so there's movies and stories it, about how yeah, that didn't work it out. It comes out to the person behind the computer, right? Like a gun isn't inherently evil, right? Right. But if a bad person grabs it and points it at someone and pulls the trigger. Yeah. It becomes pretty evil. Right. At that point. Yeah. It's, it's an inanimate object. It's there. Exactly. It's, and, and so it, it has different uses. And I don't even buy the argument when somebody says, now it's only purpose is to do this. Like, no, no, it's actually not. I mean, yeah. I'd say that is an intent statement, not right. a purpose statement. Yeah. And um, I have a shotgun. Yeah. Its only purpose is breaking clay birds. It was designed to do one thing. Yeah. That's all it's good for. It shoots one shot. Yep. Is that gun evil? I mean, like, is it dangerous? Sure. But right. is it evil? No. Yeah, it's just there. Yeah. Right? Is a hammer evil or a table saw? They hurt people. Right. So yeah, I mean, look at the person. Was it China or Japan that went on a killing spree and they killed like over a hundred people with a knife? It was yeah. a knifing spree. It's, uh, so you you know, a tire iron is dangerous in the wrong hands. Right. So that's not the. But but we're, again, we're off. We're yeah, off topic. We're going into the weeds. Yep. We've well, actually, we're before. not. We're really not though, because yeah. we're talking about you know. Yeah. Well, ways the in, issue with AI becoming sentient though. The, right. The Elon Musk thing is. You know, when humans want to build a road somewhere, they just scrape the road and build it. And if there's an anthill, tough break for the ants, right? Mm-hmm. They don't consider that significantly. Now, there are some environmental protection rules, and so it's not completely without notice. But but largely, there's a lot of things that are just going to be removed from the path. And AI is much more of that thinking is, oh, well, you've given me instructions for an outcome. I'm not really concerned with the ramifications of what that outcome might spin off right now. So I'm just going to do it. Mm -hmm. And if that means humans are in the way, I will get them out of the way (laughs) and do it. So there is, is one of the issues. And so I think again, the regulation around what are the things constrained by, and yeah, Mm -hmm. there's movies about this stuff too. It's fun. Uh, so we're not the first people. I think, I think, you know, you asked how is AI dangerous? I think, one of my biggest concerns, you know, growing up when there was a problem, you had to figure out ways to solve it. Like you had to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Like you go to an encyclopedia, you find the information, you write the paper, you're, you're using words and thoughts and putting that out there. You're creating art, mm-hmm. like you're painting, you're picking up a paintbrush. AI can now create digital images. AI can write your paper. You can ask it the math question. You don't really know how to solve it, but you're trusting that the computer did it right. Mm -hmm. As we migrate further and further away from competence, we keep trusting AI to be competent until it's leveraged by a bigger evil source like big government or some type of you know, entity that wants to manipulate it. And then everyone believes it because it's been true for 20 or 30 years. And now all it does is speak lies to you. You're going to believe it and not know any better because you've never had to think. So I look at our kids and, and these young generations and I'm like, man, I feel for you because how are you going to navigate truth from lies moving forward? Yeah. 
I will just kind of pile on to that very concern is that, uh, you know, it was said once, why, why do we write? It's because it trains you to think, right? You exactly. organize your thoughts to put things out there. If everything else does all of the work for you, then what does that do to critical thinking? It's gone. That's my big, over that's time. my concern. And well, the concern too is that for a long time, I mean, the joke is if it's on the internet, it must be true. Mm-hmm. I think the challenge, and AI has not yet figured out how it addresses this, is what happens when it says something that sounds credible but is false? Right? Exactly. How are you going to tell the truth deep, from lies? Thing, but it's not just somebody impersonating. It's getting bad information. Right. Right. You can get bad information. Uh, and, and that's real. Like my, my kids actually, for a while, because I'm a, a questionable parent, believe that um, a wombat actually can start forest fires with telepathy. Okay. Because it was on the internet. <laughs> and I'm not going to say who put it there, but it was on the internet. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, this impressionable children who today think it's hilarious to tell the story. And as this inside joke that baby wombats are the most dangerous because they have the least control over their telepathy. Right. And baby wombats start forest fires a lot. So every summer it's like careful with your wombats. Yeah. Right. Here's a bigger concern I have too. You look at social media and the algorithms that are running behind the scenes Trust me, like you spend any time on there, it knows who you are. It knows what you like, what you think about, what your interests are. And it is going to feed you content catered to what it is that you believe, what it is that you think, and what it is that you want to see. Well, and that's, yeah, that's not even AI in the traditional sense, but these algorithms, they have got your number. Right. These advertising algorithms are really dialed. Yeah. And so... Imagine adding some complex AI to these algorithms. What is it going to start producing to where you're just so hooked that you can't get away from it? So I question, are we going to have to basically boycott technology at a certain point? Because it's just going to consume every piece of you. I don't know the answer to that. Thanks for that troubling question. You're welcome. Right. Uh, I, I do know that, you know, the algorithms, they, they've got your number. The concern would be, could you use those algorithms to manipulate behaviors? Absolutely. Right? I mean, it's already happening. About, that's the thing. It's right? happening right now. There, and there's that's conspiratorial why, theories that it's being weaponized. Already. So, well, we're talking about AI. We're talking about the algorithms that are running on social media okay. and how... Technology is working daily to just work its way deeper and deeper into you, right? It wants to know your thoughts. It wants to to give you the stuff that you want to see. And remember, this whole thing, if I correct me if I'm mistaken, but the whole thought process of most of these algos is how do we keep your attention for longer Ex- yep. and then ultimately expose you to advertising messages because that's how right. we fund this whole gig. Advertising messages. There's a plethora. Yeah, they want to separate stuff. you from your money. Yep. And so they're going to study you to figure out how to do this. Well, I hit a breaking point with it. Okay. I did. And I, I looked at screen time on my phone and I'm like, I had a self-awareness moment where I'm like, you know what? They've got me right. Like they, they, get my money because they know how to advertise to me. They've got my eyeballs and I spend too much time looking at this phone. 
I can be home, you know, the kids playing. What am I doing? I'm looking at my phone. There's so many times where I'm glued to it. It makes me not as productive. Just a, it's not good. It's not healthy to spend that much time the on your phone. solution is to get a tablet. No. Then the screen's bigger. No. <laughs> you think? You no, think. That's, no. No, that's no this is where you go cross-eyed. <laughs> so I'm going to ditch the iPhone, and I'm going to a phone called Techless. It's, that's actually the name of the, the company. Okay. The phone has a very, very small set of things that it does. You can call. You can text. You can take pictures. It has a great camera. And you can navigate. It has a GPS. You can. It gives you turn-by-turn directions on where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it. Oh, a calculator. It has a calculator. Okay. And that's it. There, yeah, I'm out. No. I'm, I'm making the switch. I'm done. So I will tell you that I had this moment about four years ago. And it was that social media had sucked my life away. Mm-hmm. And I took all of the apps off. My oh, phone. I've done it like three or four times. Yeah. But I just re-download them. Oh, so I don't. Right. And, but this is a different thing, right? Right. This, this is one of my suggestions for anybody that wants to break a habit is to kind of commit to this is this is like the idea of when you have to buy something okay this is when you really have to look at yourself in a self-disciplined way like it's hard to stop doing something that's always available to you right like if you twirl your hair or bite your fingernails or something like you could do something that's subconscious at that point but when you start having to enter passwords or you start having to do other codes in order to do things and it's sort of like smoking. It's really miserable to quit, but you walking in somewhere and buying the cigarettes, like what you're saying is the misery is high enough that I'm going to throw in the towel and do this. I'm not saying anything about how hard addiction is. But what I'm saying is if you can commit to the idea that with my device, so what I had to do was I got a new device mm-hmm. and I looked at this device and said, this device is kosher. Yeah. Silly thing, right? But it's the idea that it's more sacred. It has to be defended. And one, and nothing's ever been on it before, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was the methodology that it took for me. Now, everybody's got their different wiring. If right. you are not wired that way, it's not going to work for you. But that's what I had to do. And so uh, it doesn't mean I can't ever see social media. It actually doesn't. because You can access it through sure. the internet. But it was such a pain in the rear that the only time that was ever useful to me is I use the internet to get research points, mm-hmm. like, meaning data points. Like I'll actually look something up and access for that. But it did cut my phone use time down a lot. Yeah. Now, what has caught back up to me is YouTube has figured me out. So pretty soon mm-hmm. I'm going to have to just rebel against that and go, nope, now I just can't even look at it because it hurts my eyes. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that doesn't make me cross-eyed. No? No, it really no, okay. doesn't. I think that the the disadvantage is what happens when you need to access information mm-hmm. because the the beauty of the internet is that the, there is a lot of information if you know how to get to it properly. It's just it is a real temptation. Yeah, so, I mean it's always there. It's always wanting to steal your time, and yeah. I just want my time back. And I know that I won't do it unless I make a change. Yeah. Well, I I actually applaud you for it. I think that it's a bold move, and it's important to know oneself. Yeah, and that's I mean, a biggie. You know, people ask me all the time, like about sports and stuff like that. I watch very little TV. Right. right. 
I'll watch like the occasional episode of Fortune and Fire because I think it'd be cool to be a blacksmith. That's about it. Right. And why do I have that? For other reasons, because we got Disney Plus for free. So, yeah. So I can access it. Whatever. But I just don't watch a ton of stuff. So you got other stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah. on you for that. Yeah. So, Time to be more present. All right. Well, let's let's get back to home base here. Today, we're talking about AI. And uh, for our investors, so AI, we know, has some real dangers. Mm-hmm. But I think it can have some real benefits too. I mean, and, and what, let me let me say one other danger, right? A lot of people that you know, there's jobs out there may not exist the same way anymore with AI. Oh yeah, right? Job loss will be a thing. Yeah. Like as a financial professional, I look at this and think this is just another thing that for the person that is willing to learn a little bit, you can use AI as a tool to augment your ability to manage your own money better Mm -hmm. by your financial resources. You can learn and you can do things. Uh, My experience with AI so far is that it makes me more effective as a planner and it helps streamline and save time so that I can spend more time with my client and less time running around in circles, chasing data down and weird things. Mm -hmm. So I I think it's an incredible tool for productivity. And that's where I would like to focus for a minute is like, how can AI be harnessed for good? Like, what does this make possible? Right? Rather than thinking about what what does this ruin? Well, what does this make possible I, that could be amazing? Here's the thing. AI is learning at a rapid rate on how to code. And what would take people hundreds and hundreds of hours to write a code for, this thing can do in minutes. And so when we're trying to build super complex computing programs, AI is going to give people that know how to code a huge leg up because it's going to save so much time that they're going to be able to accomplish jobs and tasks at a super, super fast rate. And so I think that AI is really just going to be uh, kind of that expediting tool that allows really, really smart people to build really incredible things in really short periods of time. Yeah, I, I think that you're right. It's this is massive tool set. It's this incredible set of resources. And so um, right now, I, I keep thinking of AI mostly as software type stuff. You know, it's this information resource that helps you to do things, uh, whether it's, uh, and, and by the way, like I'm actually not opposed to having AI write things as an example. Oh, you need sure. an article written? It's just that you need to have the knowledge. And to know if it's good. It. Well, <laughs> yeah, to go and discern it, because we've talked about this on the show before, right? Information is not the issue. Finding information. It's that's quality not information. Right. How do you filter it? And how do you make it accessible to people? One thing I've noticed is AI oftentimes writes things that comes off as uh, sterile. Very boring, sterile. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, a little bit oversimplistic. Right. right? It, it doesn't give nuance. you that juicy content that you yeah. need. And, and it also doesn't doesn't necessarily create now maybe it could and i just don't know how to do it but it doesn't create anecdotal stuff that that helps with memory aid and learning it's not inventive that's the piece that it's missing right it can do xyz but it's not inventing something new that's the human element that you can't ever replace is the ability to think about you know 10 steps down the line on how do we get to this goal that's where I think AI really struggles. Yeah. Well, sometimes it doesn't know that there's a problem to solve. Yeah. 
right? I mean, if you think about everybody practically is on social media. Who 20 years ago thought about social media? Mm -hmm. Very few people thought this was a relevant deal, right? I remember thinking YouTube was like, when, when Google bought it saying, this is the future of search. And I was like, how is this the future of search? This is such a weird thing. Uh, but it wasn't occurring to me that like, it's the future of how-to videos and, and a lot of that kind of stuff where you need to know how to do a thing, not just the information, but the process and the, how to actually make it happen. It's great for them. Absolutely. Right? And it showcases some personality and engagement. And, and frankly, it's the way we learn for a lot of people. We're really visual. Oh, yeah. So it's an easy way to consume it. And so, I mean, it was, they were really visionary about that. It was, it was great. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, their, the vision worked out great for them. I don't know that it's great per se, but it is a great resource for finding stuff. It's also, you've got to filter the heck out of it to get to the, because there's so much opinion. In right. Too. Heck, this show, if you're watching it on YouTube, there's an example of like, yeah, you're getting some information with some personality and some opinion in there, which what are you going to do? It's just mm -hmm. how, how it works. What are some other ways that you see where maybe like in our industry where we're dealing with, you know, financial planning and money management? Are there any ways where you see AI specifically in that financial advisory role kind of helping the advisor help oh, the client? Yeah. 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 Uh, data entry, right? We just oh, deal the with stuff that takes forever we deal with to put mountains in. of data, right? Right. And, and so, and, and sometimes data analysis to see, Hey, is there a piece that's missing? Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, how many times have you wanted to, uh, you need certain things in order to even create an application or something. Um, AI can review information and documents really quickly scan for missing signatures or dates and, um, pieces of data that are incongruent. Or help you build a spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we, we played that game earlier. Yeah. Uh, so it, I think it could be huge with data entry. I think client onboarding might be a big yeah. piece, right? Where you're trying to get people's accounts open and stuff like that. I think that might be a spot where AI kind of opens up some ability to do things faster. Maybe yeah. not replace the entire process, but yeah, speeding yeah. things up. Yes. And so... I, I think that there are a lot of ways that it can make um, the gathering of data more organic. Mm -hmm. uh, we have some technology that we've reviewed that will do things like it will read through your estate documents. It can look at your will or your trust, and it can parse out of it who are all the key players involved. So, oh, you need to know who your trustee and your beneficiaries are, and you need to know who, you know, what's your advance directive say, right. when were all the critical dates, and you can figure that stuff well, out and show you how it's mapped. Speaking in, along those lines and going back to your previous comment about data entry, you know, this ability to just take a picture of a file and then have it autofill the fields with the information that it recognized, mm -hmm. that's a big yeah. time saver. We have a software now that's available to us where it can scan a tax return. And then it can do projections for future years and make recommendations about how to modify your financial behaviors to optimize your taxes. Right. Right. I mean, that's at our disposal. Uh, it's just amazing. Uh, and and the, the issue is that there's so many different parts of the system that need to get pulled together. Right. Mm -hmm. um, all right. So I'm, I'm, I'm realizing we're running a little long. Remind me, we're going to talk a little bit about the use case that we just demoed of 
doing a specific financial plan. There's something called a Roth conversion and how AI helps take multiple data points in that were non-intuitive, but needed to be part of that conversation. And it, and it made it super fast where it could have been hours previously. And when I think like, how is it a bad, like, I mean, it's a bad thing when it's faking information and it's misleading people. Uh, if you have a job that is replaced by AI, that can be concerning because you have to figure out, well, what then am I going to pivot to mm-hmm. where the AI, where, where I can, I can be a driver of the AI rather than replaced by it. Okay. So, so it, it may force us to sort of upgrade our skill set. And then we talk about how AI could be dangerous because it could prevent us from upgrading our skill set because it's doing all the thinking for us. Right. right. So Matt, yeah. we just kind of went through this. Um, can you give me an example of where AI was uh, useful in your role as financial advisor? I mean, how I've used it personally? Sure. I mean, today, right? Like we were able to use AI to give us some bullet points on a topic that we wanted to talk about and it did it really, really quickly. So it was useful for gathering some information on a few different points. Um, it helps to like, say I write a paper or an article, I can put it in and have it check for grammar errors, reword some sentences. So it can help polish writing. That's mm-hmm. another, um, use today. We used it to <laughs> help figure out like numbers for a Roth conversion, surprisingly. Yeah. And, and it, that was pretty cool. Yeah. That blew us away. I yeah. think. And, and just so everybody listening understands. Roth conversion is kind of weird, right? Um, Roth IRAs, if you're unfamiliar with them, are vehicles that are the retirement accounts that use after-tax money that then gets to grow tax-deferred. And provided that it meets the qualifications, when money is taken out in retirement, it will be tax-free. Right. Very, very useful planning instrument because tax-free money in retirement is kind of the best kind of money, right? Well, it just gives you so many more, like opportunities it's if it's you need that money planning to yeah. the ability to access money without having it create because remember but, taxes are progressive income taxes the more you make the more you pay so having a, a bucket of money that doesn't charge you more tax penalty is nice yeah uh, there are scenarios where you may be in a lower tax bracket today than you will be in the future and you have money in some kind of retirement plan and there are ways to convert it from a traditional tax deferred pre-tax account into an after-tax Roth account. And there are tax ramifications to it. But if you're in a lower tax bracket, you may intentionally choose to convert to pay lower taxes today, save on higher taxes later. We were able to use AI to help us to sort of maximize specific tax brackets and then spread that out over time. And uh, it was a test case, just so you know. We, we you know, because we would still go back and do all the math to make sure it works and run it through our other systems. But as a proof of concept, we were able to ask it questions, and it struggled at first. But when, as we were able to clarify the questions, it was actually able to answer it for us. Right. And then we were able to say things like, "Hey, can you make a spreadsheet for us where we can input our own variables and do this calculation?" And it did. Right. Because <laughs> it's it's not 
super useful if it's a once-off thing, but if you can then say, okay, given what you were just able to do, now write the program so I can repeat it. Yeah, and so we were able to start layering more complex variables in because in this particular instance, it was a scenario where, oh, well, this person could take Social Security now or they could take Social Security later and they'd be different amounts and it would impact how much one should convert. Mm -hmm. And we were able to give it different scenarios and then compare and contrast them and optimize. So pretty slick stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was a moment where the AI itself, it didn't know what to do because it's like, uh, there isn't a right or wrong answer to this. What do you want? Right? And that's the key. Sometimes there's not a yes or a no answer, but AI can help you do iterative processing so that you can then self-optimize. What is it you want? I don't know. Because at the end of the day, it was still the human that had to have the knowledge in order to be able to put in the right stuff in order to get the answer. Exactly. Here's, here's a fun one for you. Think of it this way. I go to the fridge. I got a bunch of ingredients, but I don't know what I want for dinner. I tell AI all the ingredients and say, what are all the things I could do with this? And it gives you a bunch of options. And now you can choose from that. Mm -hmm. Right? It helped you. It didn't do it and it didn't tell you what to do, it helped you make a better decision. Right. And I think AI can be super useful when used in those ways. Leveraging it for good instead exactly. of evil. So anyway, we're gonna to continue to explore how we can provide more value to our customer base using artificial intelligence where appropriate and discerning when it's completely out to lunch and we can't use it. Yeah. So David, <laughs> what happens if someone wants kind of what you're talking about a look at social security you know and maybe a Roth conversion if that's applicable or not what do they do well I think the the first thing is just reach out right so don't just go blasting it on <laughs> yeah I, 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 you know if there's some information you want to keep confidential but right. uh, in this scenario um, give us a call 541-375-0898 we would be happy to help you with these decisions and um, get you going in the right direction. So, uh, but I hear the music, so I guess we're out of time, Matt. So okay. until next time, I'm Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. You've been listening to True Well on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN.